Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to another T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson, and my guest, my special guest for this Hubcast episode, which is... Katie McFarlane. Katie, our very own Katie. Uh, Welcome. Thank you. Are you nervous? Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) I can imagine. So for those of you who don't know, Katie is, I can't even say our apprentice anymore. You've just concluded your your apprenticeship. I did. Uh, Well done. Thank you. Which is great. Uh, That sort of culminates after a year of uh, your apprenticeship program. So it means you've been with us now over a year, just over a year. And I think it leads nicely into the topic for this podcast, which I think I'm going to call My Mental Health Journey, Katie McFarlane, Um, because I think you've, from day one, when I think back to our interview, when I interviewed you, um, you was always honest with me um, that in the fact that you'd struggled previously and ongoing with mental health. Yeah. I mean, it was important for me to get that across quite early on because it was something that's it's something that I'm battling with and it's something that I have battled with. And it's important that whoever hired me next was understanding because I didn't want to start a job and them not know. And then it'd be kind of like a deal breaker. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And no, yeah, it was a brave thing because most people in an interview or most employers in an interview would be instantly like, oh my God, you know, put off by yeah. that whole word of mental health. I have depression, I have mental health, whatever it might be. Because they instantly think, they're instantly thinking, this person's going to have time off, it's going to be a nightmare, I'm going to be, yeah. where do I stand as an as an employer? And it's and it's unfair. So I think it was a brave thing for you to do. And fortunately for you, you, you landed in an interview at an organisation who... As you know, we cover mental health. We're um, we're aware of it. We're not scared of it. And if there's any organisations to operate in and come out the other end, it'll probably be this one. Probably. So you've done it. You're a year down the line. It's still an ongoing journey. Oh, and definitely. I think that's the fair salient point to make on this hubcast. It's not. It's probably not. An, uh, I don't want to put people off, but it's not a. It's, there's no end to it. Everybody's got mental health, and everybody's mental health to an extent will increase or decrease um, as they go through life. It's an ongoing thing. It is. It's it's not just something you can wake up one day and be like, I'm fine now. It is it's something that comes and goes. It you it comes in phases and when it when it does happen, it's rough mm. and it's it's difficult, but having someone like you to support me through it, or everyone here to support me through it, has made transitioning from being unemployed for over a year to being employed a lot easier. Because mm. I can be open. If I'm having a bad day, I can just say, look, I'm really struggling today. And it's not it's not frowned upon. It's not like, well, you need to sort yourself out. You need to smile. Like it's it's not like that. And it's lovely to be able to be that open and honest about the way I am and something that I deal with daily. Yeah. Yeah. No, and um, you know, rewinding back to that initial interview, the minute you said, Listen, I need to be honest, this is me and this is what I suffer from you instantly started crying as all, almost like <laughs> that's the interview over then, you know, now, you know, that's that this is what usually happens at this point. And obviously we never did that. And um, we conducted the interview uh, and, and afterwards I almost felt compelled to say, no, this, the right thing to do is to give you a chance and to, and to support you through it. Um, and we did. 
and you started. Uh, and now let's rewind back to the beginning. Then. So if we're going to talk a little bit around what I want from this webcast, Katie, is obviously you can speak from personal experience, but I also want leaders and managers out there who may have people in their teams who are suffering with similar things or yeah. mental health issues or just stress and anxiety, depression. Maybe they've got something like a co-caring disorder like bipolar or whatever it might be. But um, I want them to listen to this and, and understand what can be achieved with a bit of understanding and support. Um, but very quickly after that, we offered you the job. You started. And if you remember, one of my initial things to you was, listen, my only one ask is you're, you're here. Because the thing with mental health is, depending on the severity of it, sometimes you just don't want to get out of bloody bed. No. Sometimes you just don't want to get up and out. You don't want to face the world and you don't want to get out. And that, for me, starts a self-perpetuating cycle because the more you spend time in isolation alone, the worse it gets. Definitely. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. So I said to you, just make sure you drag yourself in in your low mood days and we will work with you. You're going to be better here than you are in isolation at home. So uh, that was always going to be a test for you because up until that point, you'd been pretty much housebound for a period of time. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I left my house on my own for a good year and a half. Like I'd, I wouldn't even step outside in my garden on my own. It was, I'd, oh, I was always with my mum or I was with my boyfriend and to actually come to work on a day where you don't even want to leave the bed is a massive achievement. And I think that's something that should be recognised, especially with people who suffer with mental health, because the simplest things, self-care, getting out of bed, going to work, is it is difficult and it should be, it shouldn't, you shouldn't feel like you can't go and do things just because you're having a low, like you're feeling mm. low. Yeah. And, and, to give you, you know, to, to give you your due as well, you met me in the middle on that. I think, yes, there has been days when you've been off. Yes, there's been days when you've struggled. But in the main, you've stuck to your end of the bargain, which gave us a platform to work from. So me as the employer and me as as, as the manager, I can, I can um, feel like I'm getting what I need from you in the role yeah. and what the business needs from you. And you also feel that when needed and where needed, you've got my support. And it has to be a two-way thing. Definitely. If one side of the bargain starts to tip, that's when it falls in. When when people with mental health problems don't don't try their hardest to to come in, to fight their demons, to to battle their low moods, and then it tips the balance where they're off all the time or they don't, you know, contribute in a meaningful way, it's unfair on the employer. When the employer doesn't have any toleration or understanding and doesn't allow the employee time when they truly need it, it doesn't work, right? No. It's a two-way thing. Would you it agree is. with that? I, I would definitely agree with that. And I, and I think, you know, one of my one of the things with you is I can I can cuddle you, I can put my arm around you, I can um, you know, I can understand, I can listen, and some and, and sometimes you need that. But all the time, it's not the right course of action with you. Sometimes when I am firm but fair and I yeah. say, come on, Katie, I need you to meet me on the middle on this, right? Yeah. That 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 sometimes gets the best out of you. So for those managers out there, Katie, you were thinking, oh, I've got to tread on eggshells around somebody with mental health and I can't manage and I can't be firm and I can't have a direct conversation. What would you say to that? Because I think that's probably one of the secrets to our success in our relationship. Yeah, I'm... I think there is there is sometimes a need to have that kind of put your arm around them, tell them it's going to be okay. But then 
like especially with you if I've come in and I need that like come on now like you'll give me a list a to-do list and because it takes my mind off it if I'm busy I'm not thinking about all of the things that are worrying me all of the things that are getting me down I'm not thinking about things I shouldn't even be thinking about at work and that's important for me because I can get myself out of it Mm. even though I still might not fit I might not be my usual happy Mm. self I'm busy and I'm taking my mind off something and that's an important point is you need to get the balance between being firm and being the support and when you need it so you would say managers and leaders out there you know you can't actually when you tread on eggshells around somebody with mental health it's it's worse it is when you feel like you're being treated differently or you know it's worse so absolutely let's do it but just have the em- as long as the balance is there as long as the empathy is there when you need it you're more likely to earn the right to challenge when you need to right oh, is that what yeah. I'm saying yeah I think yeah because if I was tre- if someone was treading on eggshells around you and other people in the business your colleagues saw you being treated differently or whatever it might be that wouldn't sit right with you right no because it'd make you feel singled out just because you've got a mental health issue just because I've got a mental health issue I shouldn't be treated differently to any of my other employees yeah so and I think sometimes it has a knock-on effect because they then start treating you like mm. they walk on eggshells around you. They don't want to say certain things to you. And that that makes you feel singled out. And it's not a nice feeling. Yeah. I've, I've been there. I've been through that. And it's just not a nice feeling. Yeah. So, so yeah, you want the fairness. You want to be treated like everybody else. Yeah. But at the same time, when you're in low mood, we call it high mood, low mood, don't we? When yes. you're in low mood... I, I recognise it. I can tell probably within the first 10 seconds of the morning um, and we have a laugh about it. But um, there is what we've tried to master, isn't it, is when you're in low mood, we need to take action. We need to preoccupy the mind. We need to get really dead set and make some decisions on, right, what does the day look like? What are we going to do today yeah. to be able to get through this? Because the more likely you, the more you can build coping mechanisms to be productive in your low, low mood, the more likely you are still to come in in your low mood because you know how to deal with it. Yeah. Not, I don't know how to face today. Yeah. So we've worked a lot on that um, since you've been here. So what um, have you continued to get help outside of the business and myself and the team here? Do you have you over the year uh, tried medication, cognitive behavioural therapy? Have you what I'm saying is, do you do you still tackle it, tackle it on your own as well? And if so, is that the right way for employees to try and give support and drive support in the workplace, but also facilitate that time when you need it to go and to go and seek help outside externally as well? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you remember. It was, I think it was August last year. I had a bit of a, I call it a meltdown. I just went into full meltdown mode, and then then I reached out and got. I had some CBT therapy and I did that for about six or seven months Mm. and then I started to feel okay again I felt like I know how to cope with this I've I've gone through this since I was 13 I should be I'm strong I might not look strong and I might not think I'm strong sometimes but I'm strong I have been through I have dealt with myself for so long and going back to CBT helped me remember why I was still here and why at 13, 14, I carried on and not, and mm. I didn't do what I wanted. To and, let, and let's be honest, if you don't mind talking frankly about it, at 13, 14, you was in the period of going into deep depression and self-harm. Self-harm, yeah. I was 
suicidal at one point and if I can cope through that and if I can come out of the other side Mm. with with like this kind of sense of being strong it's it's amazing yeah and having CBT again last year helped me remember my coping mechanisms and I've got a great support network around me and so I do think that going and having help outside of work did help me a little bit. Yeah, because sometimes your work colleagues, I mean, you're in a very understanding environment here with people who know a lot about the subject matter, which helps. But um, there's still that that external thing, which is just yours, that you yeah. need, that, yeah. that you don't need to share with us, that you, that helps you in your own right. And I think I think that's always to be encouraged. Yeah, that The more you can do... Um, to cope let's talk about catastrophizing (laughs) (laughs) so one and the reason i want to talk about this is because one of the things uh that that happens when you struggle with mental health on any scale is you catastrophize sometimes basic human stress and you know what i'm talking about here and sometimes when you're in high mood you don't you don't catastrophize it Mm. when you're in low mood you absolutely do so even the smallest things make a catastrophic uh, difference to the way you feel and the way you can carry yourself. Um, And if you think about that, almost everything can be catastrophized. In that moment, on that day, everything can be blown out of all proportions from something someone says to you in the morning to the way someone looks at you to you overanalyzing why someone's in that meeting and you're not in it, what that email means that's just come in, why somebody didn't say thank you. Everything starts to trigger you and you're smiling because you know what I mean. Yeah. So um, what what I want to say is when I recognize that you're catastrophizing, I don't say, Katie, you're catastrophizing that. Don't be silly. That's the worst That's thing you the can worst say. Thing. Yes. And this is the thing I want to say to managers and people. Don't be stupid. Sometimes you say that with the best intentions in the world. Oh, don't be silly, kid. So you've been you've been stupid now. If I say that to you, it's the worst thing because you're just gonna it's gonna spiral. Yeah. You're gonna feel even more silly and all the rest of it. So the way I've sort of found it is if I believe you're catastrophizing, I try to bring you back to the present, coming back to your point on, okay, what can you do about it? Yeah. Yeah. So when I say to you, what 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 can you do about it? What are you going to do about it? You will come up with an answer. When you come up with an answer, you're back in control. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah so what, what, cool. what's your advice on, because people who suffer from mental health catastrophize a lot about little things. How do employers and organizations and managers deal with that? You know, I, Your point about telling people not to, like, oh, don't be silly, that is the worst thing because then you start catastrophizing that as well. Yeah, am I being silly? Oh, am I really? Am, being am I being silly? Is it me? Oh my god, how am I looking? And then all of a sudden, it's everybody hates me. Yeah. I just so it is important to not be af- don't be afraid if some if you feel like someone's catastrophizing, don't be afraid to go and speak to them about it. But don't make personally, I wouldn't make it feel as if you have recognized it. Just go and say like. So someone sent you this email and you didn't say thank you. Because that to me, that's a really big thing for me. I hate yeah. it when people don't say thank you. Um, Whereas I, just a thingy there. Whereas I don't even notice if people don't say thank you because I, I usually speed read an email and it doesn't really make a difference to me. But it does make a difference to you, right? Yeah. It Because, so it's important, like, feeling in control of something when you're catastrophizing it is a, it is a big thing because you can then, like, rash, re-rationalise it. 
Mm. And you'd be like, all right, okay. So they didn't say thank you. They're probably busy. It's not a big thing. Yeah. Not everybody says thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. You only sent them an email to ask if they completed the Yeah, they might or... be on the on the train, in a busy train, on their phone, and they've just done the care to see if you've responded yeah. now. But yeah, absolutely. And when you start rationalizing like that and, and talking through it, it, it helps you wrestle back some control and calm. Yeah. But the worst thing is is to, for people to to say you're catastrophizing or you're don't be silly, don't yeah. be stupid. Yeah, absolutely. So where do you um where do you see yourself now from a year ago, Kate? I mean, do you regard yourself as now being more do you have more good days than bad days? Um does it not work as strictly like that or I wouldn't say it was like you have more good days than bad days because I still have bad days. There are certain points in the year for me that in the lead up to it, I struggle. I mm. really struggle. There's certain things, but even though that I have bad days or I have low mood, I know that I don't have to be scared of being in that low mood anymore. Mm. I don't have to come into work and try and put this big happy smiley face on and just push it to the back of my mind. I I can cope with that now because mm. I've had support from my employer and the people I work with to understand that it it's okay. Mm. And when I have good days, they're even better than mm. what they used to be because I feel, especially when you can get yourself out of a, like a rut of low mood. And once you do that two or three times, you know you can do it. Yeah. So where it seems impossible prior to that, all of a sudden you can do it. You know you can do it, and that makes a big difference. Um, what about purpose? So one of the things prior to coming to work here is you didn't have a clear purpose and a career for many people gives them something that is theirs that that not only brings the money in and gives them their own independence but gives you purpose and I'm a massive believer in that having a purpose is a huge has a huge impact on your mental state I defy any human obviously I always talk about our first two human instincts are survival and reproduction we want to survive as a a species and we want to reproduce and continue the the species but the third one is purpose whilst we're here we have to feel like we contribute in some way and when we don't contribute we feel inadequate unneeded we don't have purpose and then our our mental state deteriorates yeah so coming here and working at T2, and by the way, at this point, I think a year on, and the reason why we wanted to record this today is recently you've been nominated for Apprentice of the Year in Thank the Hull and East Yorkshire People in Business Awards. So you think about this story, right? You, 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 you're self-harming, you feel suicidal, you have no job, you can't leave the house, and within a year, you're in the workplace, you've got purpose, and now you've been nominated for a prestigious award so congratulations on that thank you congratulations to you on your nomination well thank you you're welcome my entrepreneur of the year (laughs) nomination so yeah so we um i just think that's amazing but how much has purpose done for you being on the right side of your mental health more often than not oh it's 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 completely changed i used to sit at home like when i was when i was unemployed and i used to sit there and cry and be like i have no purpose Mm. I I sit at home, I wait for my boyfriend to come home, and then I cook tea. And that's Groundhog it. day, every day. Every day. Yeah. It was some days I was like, I haven't even brushed my hair today. I haven't got dressed. I don't have anything mm. to go to. And now I get up at five o'clock every morning. I'm on the bus by quarter to seven. I am at work and I'm doing even the silliest things like putting print reports together for when one of you guys are going out and then you go out and everything's prepared. And it's like, yeah, I did that. Mm. 
Because I, if without me, you, you might do, not have that's them. That's a key part, yeah. And you know, and that's it. And I think purpose. And what what I want to say from that is anybody who's suffering from mental health or struggling, as hard as it is in the beginning, yeah. The 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 positives of of having a purpose again and having a feel a feeling of belonging and that you contribute to society or to something in some way it does works wonders for for, for the mind it's, it really does it is it's an incredible feeling to feel the way that you feel when you have a purpose cool you feel on top of the world and it's it is a great feeling mm, cool so i'm gonna ask you i'm gonna put you on the spot and as you can imagine we haven't prepared this we're 20 minutes in but these are the way these hubcasts goes okay uh, I want to try and do, with the last few minutes, I want to try and do three tips for employers or managers on if you've got people who are struggling or who experience mental health, what are the two or three things that they just must do? They've just got to think about doing if they're going to stand the best chance of of not only, it's not only, for me, it's not about, and this is the thing I've done with UK, it's not about just having you working here and getting you through it. I want you to contribute in a meaningful way. Yeah. I want you to develop. I want you to progress, right? So it's about that. You're no different to anybody else. You have to contribute to this business. So what two or three tips, if we're going to have, have a successful outcome to that, would you give to managers and employees listening to this? And is there a couple of tips you'd give to anybody who is suffering themselves with mental health and it's impacting their career and their work? So to managers and leaders, I would just say, just have a conversation. If you are noticing someone is struggling in your workplace, just have a conversation it doesn't have to be formal it doesn't have to you don't have to follow a procedure just sit and have a conversation with them because if that person is ready they don't have to open up to you if they if it's affecting them they are more likely to feel supported by you if you have a conversation with them yeah love it and I think for someone who is suffering with it if someone approaches you to have a conversation even if you don't feel like talking about it just say that you're struggling and that you you just need a little like you just need a little help mm. because there are people out there that can help you and it doesn't have to be a medical professional it could be the person you sit next to it and once you've got that like once you've been honest about it it's it's a bit of a relief mm. and it is a relief to to know that if you are struggling, it's fa- it's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay mm. to be okay. Love it. And you know what? Um, I think my last tip on this is, as I said right at the beginning, it's a two-way thing. If yeah. we're going to help and support and get actionable with, with supporting mental health in the workplace, it's a two-way thing. It's not all on the employer. It's not all on the employer at all. It's the accountability is also with the recipient, the individual. Yes, definitely. If you remove yourself from any accountability of this situation, if you just say, I'm ill, I'm depressed, I've got mental health, and it's your responsibility to support me, and you're not, that's the wrong way, right? And we see this time and time again. If you're an employer and you're going, well, it's not my responsibility, and this, then you're wrong, right? It's a two-way thing. When the employer goes, I'm going to do all I can, and I'm going to help you through this, and the employer, and the employee says, you know what, I'm going to commit to these things so we're going to work together and I'm going yeah. to make sure I get in on my low mood days and I'm going to make sure that, you know, I work with you on these things and I help myself and in my own time I go and have some CBT or I try these different things. 
that's when the magic happens because yeah. when there's commitment from both sides, and this is why I honestly say, Katie, there's been commitment from both sides here with myself and T2 and you. Yeah. That's why you sat here a year down the line passing out your apprenticeship and being nominated for Apprentice of the Year because it wouldn't have worked if I didn't fulfill my side of the bargain, but it certainly wouldn't work if you didn't fulfill yours. Exactly. And I know, I have, I know I'm, I, I say fair but fair. I know I, you know, I'm on you at times about certain stuff, but it serves a purpose. It's all with the, and I'd like to think it's all with the end in mind that you know I've got your best interests at heart and yeah. pandering to you and your situation at time is not going to help you. No. You know, um, you've got a loving family and support network and your mum and your boyfriend, et cetera. They can do all the pandering they want, but when you're here, yeah. our objective is to develop resilience and coping mechanisms, and that's not all going to be achieved by the niceties. No, no, exactly. So have the confidence, people. Have the confidence, managers and organisations, that you can deal with this, that you can still manage, that you can still drive performance and accountability. Don't tread on eggshells. But at the same time, earn the right to do that by being truly understanding, by showing empathy, by, you know, I I just remember one famous week you mentioned earlier, I think it was August, in all of this, where as much as I get tell you to get your ass in when you're in low mood and make yeah. sure you're here and present, there was one time when it just got on top of you. Yeah. And I recognised this and I took it out of your hands and said, Katie, take the week off. Yes. I know you took it as holiday in the end, but it was like, as soon as I said, Katie, you need to take the rest of the week off, you're sort, you just sort of, your face sort of relaxed as in, I, I'm, I really need it. Yeah. And that that was a big changing point for me to know that I, that, because you can you can try and handle it all yourself, and then it gets on top of you. But you you turn around to me and saying you need a week off. I have never felt better because I that week I went and got myself some help. I went to see doctors. I went to do everything, and I just I gave myself time to rest mm. and deal with what I was dealing with. And I kind of it, it's this I don't even know what I was dealing with yeah. now. So would you say your mental health now, Kate? Just to summarize this up as as fast forward to twelve months and everything we've talked about. You've gone from not leaving the house and self-harm and suicidal thoughts to to progressing to a period of coping mechanisms to then moving into high and low mood phases. One massive blip in the summer, but then you're back on the horse again. Um, and I would genuinely say, whether you hide it well or it's your coping mechanisms, I, I, I feel like you have more good days than bad days now. Yeah. And I don't think you're at the level of where you were at 12 months ago. Oh, definitely not. No. Nowhere near. Nowhere near. So if you can make that much progress in one year with the right environment and the right support, that's what can be achieved. And if we can replicate that and we can advise and engage people to understand that, the working place is going to be a better place, right? Definitely. So one last tip, mental health week. It is mental health week. What's the, what's the tip? What would be the one thing? Anybody struggling, anybody trying to mask it, anybody... What, what would be the one tip for Mental Health Week that you would give? Um, I think it's the Andy's Man Club slogan, but it's time to talk. Yeah, get it out there. It's okay. It's not inferior. Our our uh, hub manager, Lydia, um, who's training to be an occupational psychologist, she's just written a pathway or a blog, which is on our website, yeah. called Normalising Mental Health. And what she talks about is it, everybody thinks mental health is this we, I'm cra- When you think of mental health, what do you think of? You think of straight jackets and I'm a crazy person. Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm going to be taken away and locked up, right? So there, that's where the stigma comes. Whereas 
she's written a very intelligent piece on normalizing. It's a physical thing in the brain. It is. It, it's it's a lack of serotonin, and she explains it very, uh, you know, succinctly. So if we treat it like a normal physical thing, like you would any other ailment, then we've got a better chance of fixing it. So I would recommend you go onto our website and read our blog for Mental Health Week. Definitely. Katie, thank you. How did you find that? My heart is beating through my chest. (laughs) (laughs) Big deal for you, isn't it? But listen, you're even coming on Live Hubcast with no prep. That's why you've come in 12 months. So good luck for your uh, awards night in July. Whether whether you you, uh, take home the trophy or not, it's it's an amazing achievement. And um, yeah, we'll. I think we might get you back in. We'll do a bit of a, a monthly. Maybe we'll do a monthly, you know, hubcast on managing mental health, something like that. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. You can have a celebrity blog po- uh, podcaster. When my heartbeat's calmed down. <laughs> exactly. Katie, thank you very much. We'll post thank this uh, on the hub and uh, we'll be back again shortly with another T2 Hubcast. 